Welcome to Goddess Works, a podcast exploring goddess-centered spiritual practice and honoring the magic in the ordinary and the sacred in the everyday. This is Molly Reamer with Bridget's Grove in association with our Patreon at patreon.com slash Bridget's Grove. Thanks so much for being here. Hove and weep. There are ravens on the ruins of the Anasazi. Their calls break through this gentle canyon. I have journeyed from the rim where the towers watch down to the white snake of the dry stream bed. I hear stories in the rabbit's wild and tender eyes. Virginia Barrett in her book of poems, I Just Wear My Wings, collected poems of an inspiring mystic. So welcome to this week's ritual for the Creative Spirit Circle from Bridget's Grove and our everyday magic journey together. And I have a couple of things to share with you today, but first I invite you to take a nice deep breath. And really allow yourself the chance to drop into your body. To where and how you are right now. No right, no wrong, just here. And another deep breath to just feel how you're feeling. And be how you're being. And centering yourself in this time, in this place, in this moment. During this time together. And you may wish to extend your awareness outward to your immediate environment and what is surrounding you, the sounds you can hear, the things you can smell, what you might see or perceive, whether your eyes are open or closed. And then extending your awareness out past your immediate environment and to the other people who are joining us in this circle, in their times, in their places, in their lives, their bodies. And just gently checking in. And becoming aware of this tapestry that we are weaving together across the world. And then calling your spirit back, taking another deep breath and settling yourself in your body, centering yourself in your place of power and feeling yourself present to the moment. However it might unfold. And if you have time and space and no audience, 
you may wish to participate in this body prayer. I often use this as a means of beginning our circle when I hold women's retreats or red tents. And, uh, and sometimes I do it with my children as well because it's a way to move your body, center yourself in your body, and source from that experience of embodied living on this earth. So the body prayer is based in a, uh, uh, it's adapted from a body prayer that was included in the book Wild Girls by Patricia Monahan. But depending on your own preferences and where you are, go ahead and put your hands on your heart and take a couple of deep centering breaths. And then raise your open arms to the sky with your face looking up. And bring your hands back down to your heart. And then stretch your arms down and touch the ground. Feeling your connection to the earth, whether it's filtered through several layers of floor or not. And then returning your hands to your heart. And then with your left hand on your heart and your right arm extended with your hand facing outward, make a complete circle with your body. So bringing your arm and your whole body around in a circle. And then with your right hand on your heart, and your left arm extended. Make another circle starting the other direction. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So our card for this week from Woman Runes is the Dancing Woman, the Rune of Power. This happens to be my personal rune of the year, and it is also, it has always been one of my favorite runes from the Woman Runes deck, and I know I often say that a rune is my favorite rune, uh, and I have lots of favorites, but this is definitely one of those favorites. And uh, so how, how are you feeling in your power? Or do you feel, um, do you feel powerful? And do you know what it feels like to stand in your power? Are there situations and places and times and experiences in which you feel like you are fully inhabiting your power and standing in your power. And then if you go beyond the standing in your power, can you dance in your power? Can you sing in your power? Can you be your power? How do you feel about your relationship to your own power? Do you sense it? Can you inhabit it? Can you be it? Or does it feel like something that only arises in very specific times and places? Or something that you can only access in, in a few ways? Or even something that seems removed from you or distant from you? So think about that power. And if 
you are not standing in your power, how could you call your power back to you? And sometimes people get, um, I guess, wary or concerned about the word power because it implies the type of power that we may be familiar with in a dominator patriarchal model is the t- is a power over so power over other people or domination or control and the dancing woman is not talking at all about power over other people it's about power from within it's about inner strength inner power and accessing your own power base and then acting from that power base and so uh in a feminist or a goddess-oriented worldview, we think of power as power with, not power over. So how can we encourage everyone to step into their power? How can we join hands with one another, all fully inhabiting our power? And the power activated or expanded does not diminish. It's not like you give your power in order for you to be powerful, someone else has to be powerless. We can all stand in our power. We can all inhabit our power. And it, and that's power with. Power with act in, in acting together. Power with even acting on our own. Power coming, bubbling up from within us rather than something that we have to take or demand or... Um, diminish from somebody else so the power shared expands it doesn't diminish and uh, so that's the rune for this week and I encourage you to think about how power shows up for you in your life and uh, I was extra happy to see this card because I'm we're working on our spring ritual kits right now for the circle the digital kit and then the the um, physical products kit for the Etsy shop and the I actually had coincidentally or not coincidentally everyday magicedly uh, already decided that I wanted to do a new woman runes card layout using the dancing woman as the base and I wanted to include that in the spring ritual resources for this month so seeing the card show up and then I also the story that I would like to tell today directly connects to the spring equinox and to the themes of spring and and to um to these different themes so having the card directly connect to the layout that I'm working on to go in the kit while I also have a story to share that is directly related to this spring ritual kit was a nice little uh moment of of connection there and uh, interrelationship so dancing woman is ready to come out and play and that reminds me that I pulled the page off of my page day calendar I have it and I can't even I can't remember the name of the calendar for some reason and the top page is gone so I can't see it but I believe it is related to the meditations for women who do too much book that I sometimes reference and I think the calendar is like page a day meditations for people who do too much or something like that but I'm not 100% sure that that's what it's called but it's by the same author Ann Wilson Schaefe who wrote meditations for women who do too much and so the I had not been out to the tiny temple for a couple of days and so I had several pages to tear off and I just read through them as I was tearing them off and uh, the one 
uh, for several days ago was about discovering our internal pace. And one of the things it says is that March is a wonderful month to get friendly with our internal pace. And I that that immediately resonates with me, like the notice the notion that you have an internal pace. And uh, and I I have been working with that with myself over the last three months or so about knowing that there's times of day in which I work better and when I feel more clear and when I feel more conscious and connected and then times of the day where I feel tired and drained and depleted and scheduling the pace of my day so that the work that I consider to be most important and the most and the work that I like to see the most life in and the liveliness and the engagement that that work happens during the times in which I feel naturally most alert and alive and engaged and active and that I'm not trying to drag myself through something at a time of day when that's not how I feel so we all have this rhythm we have a rhythm to our days we have a rhythm to the week we have a rhythm to the month and uh and I'm try- I've been trying in the uh, probably about the last 3 months or so to to pay attention to what that is for me and to go with it instead of fighting with myself or arguing with myself or trying to wrestle with uh my own natural rhythms and inclinations and so this internal pace resonates right away and and uh, so I would ask you to also con- consider what your internal pace is and how you might work with it and how you know you might pull up might become in harmony with with the internal pace it doesn't is it going to bed earlier is it um you know moving we've talked about daily practices a lot but is it you know maybe everybody else seems to talk about having a morning practice but maybe you really feel like you need a two o'clock in the afternoon practice or maybe you need an evening practice or you know maybe you don't feel like doing yoga in the morning but you really would like to do a series of poses before you go to bed at night maybe you want to um you know, have a sacred bath day once a week that is, um, you know, that you can look forward to on a Friday afternoon or, you know, what would call to you and to your pace. And so she also notes that winter invites us to draw into ourselves, which is not a bad thing. It is quite good and it's necessary and uh, everything needs a chance to rest and contemplate and be quiet in the darkness for a while. And I spoke a lot of that when it was winter for me, that that cave time and the pulling inward and the drawing within yourself is, is, is really a vital time of re-nourishment. But now at spring, and, and again, this is the northern hemisphere for me, I'm very impacted by my natural environment and what I experience around me. And so in the last few weeks, you can sense spring kind of waking up, the land waking up, the trees waking up around me, just the beginnings of it. And so I'm very influenced by that. And if you are in the Southern Hemisphere instead, you might be sensing things getting ready to put, you know, to be put away for the winter. But, uh, but spring invites us to awaken and participate. And this is an invitation to discovery and growth and change and, uh, an opportunity and renewal. And uh, so uh, this is back to my calendar. It says, please do not decline this invitation. Like it's time, this, you've received an invitation and please accept it. And spring invites us to accept this invitation. So consider your internal space, consider the things that are awakening for you and consider your power and how you can dance in it, stand in it, be in it and feel it. 
And then I'm going back to a another daily anthology book uh, called Open Mind. By uh, it's edited by Diane Marie Child, but. <clears throat> she notes that, so she quotes Judy Gran as saying, the question about how to understand her now clarifies itself as the wrong question. Perhaps interstand is what we do, to engage with the work, to mix with it in active engagement, rather than figuring it out, figure it in. So I love that idea that we can, instead of trying to figure something out, I've got to figure this out, you know, even back to the internal pace. How can I figure out my internal pace? How about we figure it in instead? Draw ourselves in and then figure, figure it in. What, what do we need to in, interstand? And so Judy Grant says interstand. I would think that maybe inner, innerstand also makes sense. What are you innerstanding? Like what are you understanding from within? But uh, so interstanding or innerstanding, whichever you would like. Um, uh, uh, but Diane Marie Child adds that to understand we must be in relationship with what is happening and I've been thinking a lot about this process of being in relationship to the world around you because to me in a, a goddess theology the foundation is connection and relationship and it does but the connection and relationship doesn't have to be always with other people it can be with the in the poem at the beginning with the rabbit, the story from the rabbit's eyes, or with the tree or the rock. And I went down to the woods a few days ago, or a, yeah, a few days ago. And, um, and one of the things I thought when I was down there, I was wondering like, what am I going to learn from the woods today? And one of the things I received was it's possible to be friends with a rock. And so that foundation of connection and relationship and engagement is the foundation of understanding as well. And uh, so the um, so what are you understanding lately? What are you understanding? What are you listening to from within? And how can that guide you? And that was the quote that I wanted to share. And um, also the yeah, and that that figuring it in. What do you want to figure in at this time? And then I wanted to share with you some quotes from the book Gifts from the Sea, which I read while I was at the beach again this year. I read it every year when I'm there. And and, and then I used these quotes in the uh, at our Red Tent retreat that I had when I, we returned from the beach. We had the, a retreat, and, um, and I shared these quotes with the women in the circle when we were passing the rattle. So when we passed the rattle, we each take a turn to speak and, and relate to something. And I usually have a question for um, focusing the discussion so that we don't just end up kind of randomly uh, randomly talking, but that we have, um, you know, a little bit of a container for our time together. And I use these quotes from Gifts from the, Gift from the Sea, and I wanted to ask you the same questions and offer you the same quotes that I had used with the women in my face-to-face circle as well. And so this is Gifts from the Sea by Anne Morrow Lindbergh, and it was written in the 50s, I believe. But as I have referenced before, it still has a huge amount of relevance to people today that you almost would have no idea that it had been written that many years ago. It seems like something somebody could have written two weeks ago. So she says, and, and uh, this is about, the book is about women, um, 
and women's lives, particularly focus on kind of women who are in an active mothering and, and um, wife type of phase of life. But So I'm going to use her original words, which say women, but do know that you can substitute the words that work best for you and uh, what she's saying in many ways applies to all people it is not but um but she's writing from a this woman perspective and and uh, since i work a lot with women i tend to have uh, my attention and my focus and emphasis caught by things that relate to women and women's experiences of life so she says <clears throat> women need solitude in order to find again the true essence of themselves that firm strand which will be the indispensable center of the whole web of human relationships. She must find that inner stillness which Charles Morgan describes as the stilling of the soul within the activities of the mind and body so that it might be still as the axis of a revolving wheel is still. To be a woman is to have interests and duties raying out in all directions from the central mother core, like spokes from the hub of a wheel. The pattern of our lives is essentially circular. We must be open to all points of the compass, husband, children, friends, home, community, stretched out, exposed, sensitive like a spider's web to each breeze that blows, to each call that comes. How difficult for us, then, to achieve a balance in the midst of these contradictory tensions, and yet how necessary for the proper functioning of our lives, how much we need and how arduous of attainment is that steadiness preached in all rules for holy living. And so then she notes that instead of stilling the center, we often add more centrifugal activities to our lives which throw us off balance. And... Uh, and then she says, which I also relate to since I do have my little kids at home with me, that uh, with new awareness, both painful and humorous, I began to understand why the saints were rarely married women. I'm convinced it has nothing inherently to do, as I once supposed, with chastity or children. It has to do primarily with distractions. The bearing, rearing, feeding, and educating of children, the running of a house with its thousand details, human relationships with their myriad poles, women's normal occupations in general run counter to a creative life or contemplative life or saintly life. The problem is not merely one of women in career, woman in the home, woman in independence. It's more basically, and this is the part I love, how to remain whole in the midst of the distractions of life. How to remain balanced no matter what centrifugal forces tend to pull one off center. How to remain strong no matter what shocks come in at the periphery and tend to crack the hub of the wheel. And then the question that I posed to the red tent was, how is your wheel doing? Like, how is your wheel? And that's the question I pose to you as well to consider. How is your wheel? How's the wheel of your life spinning? Is the hub getting cracked? <laughs> Are you able to hold the stillness in the center as the other activities radiate around it? Are your spokes feeling crowded or broken or unsteady and then how can you find that firm strand of yourself that's that's the center of your wheel
And then on a related note, I read a um, article called Dreams of Home in Sage Woman magazine that was written by, the article was written by Alice Rose. And, uh, but then she's quoting a different author. This is a complicated web we weave with all these quotes and books and all that stuff. That main author Sarah Orne Jewett writes in her book, The Country of the Pointed Firs, that in the life of each of us, there is a place remote and islanded and given to endless regret or secret happiness. That place is home, the place we are always coming to within ourselves and that we long to see reflected outside ourselves in the actual places that we live. So my question related to that is, do you have a place within of secret happiness? And I, uh, I liked it because it had the phrase, the remote and island in it. And when I read this, I was on the island and, uh, and it's a place of happiness for me. So then I thought about that place within too, the place of secret happiness that you can carry within you or a place of endless regret and how we can carry those places within us and then we can express them in the world and create that place in in um, everyday life too, either a place of, of regret or a place of secret happiness. And then one more quote from Sage Moon Magazine, and this was in the Serenity issue in editorial by Ann Nevin. And she uses the analogy of trying to find serenity as being like a little girl at the seashore trying to catch a wave with her hands. And so Anne writes, no matter how much we dash around, no matter of willpower, exertion, or striving will achieve that sought-after feeling of inner peace. But if we pause, take a deep breath, and wait at the right place at the right time, we are bound to get wet. In short, we can't control the circumstances under which the waves form, how fast they arrive and recede, or how high they come onto the beach of our lives. All that we can control is where we are standing. So in addition to your wheel and how it's turning, I ask you and myself to consider where we're standing and if we're willing to get wet. And uh, I feel like I've asked a lot of questions in this recording and probably haven't given you enough time to actually consider them. So feel free, as always, to pause me and you can, you know, journal about or think about or, or just take a few deep breaths with any of those questions that I've raised. And uh, rather than feeling like there's too many or that you don't have time to consider them, you can feel free to just stop and pause and think about it and then restart and think about the next one. So I know I've asked a lot of questions, but I think that's part of that process of discovering our inner pace and the process. One of the reasons I enjoy creating these audios for all of you is because I truly, I enjoy the opportunity to work through these questions and ideas with myself as well. And so it's a process of both inner work and outer communication kind of all rolled up into one and I find it very enriching to have that that interweaving together so uh so lots of questions lots of things to to mull over or let roll around and uh and yeah I hope that's been some I hope some of the questions that I've asked have lit something within you as well in terms of that fire of understanding and uh, and a connection to your own power. And so now I am switching 
gears slightly because I did want to share a story and experience with you that is related to the spring equinox and to our spring ritual kit and to our, um, but really in, and well, in, and related to these gifts from the sea as well and to our experiences that we have. And so uh, we are not or we are home now and we've been home from the beach for several weeks but the experience that I would like to share with you was something that happened at the beach <clears throat> though at the time that it was happening I said to myself I'm going to talk about this uh, to the circle at the spring equinox like the story as it unfolded for me was a story that related to the spring equinox and the themes of the, of spring and uh, so it was, and again, like I said, to these gifts from the sea and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to explain it the way I would like to, uh, but I'm going to give it a try. So at the beach, we had started to collect. I had this, and I, I mentioned that briefly uh, in f social media posts and other things about how I was on these, you know, quests to find these special shells and these important shells to uh, at the well at the beach. But in the as the our trip drew to a close, I started to look around at the shells that were all around us that are the common shells, you know, the easily findable, the cockle shells, the clam shells, the things that are always there and and that I have a tendency to walk right past without paying attention to them and and suddenly I started to see them with some new eyes because I realized like they, that I could use them as in projects at Red Tent and that I could share them uh, for rituals and, I, and uh, we could, I could use them in little you know, blessing bags and I could put them onto intention candles and, and that I was walking right past all these everyday treasures all the time. And then I thought, oh, I could put one into our... Uh, spring ritual kit and I did in fact put one into the everyday magic circle sponsor kit as well um, and I gathered them all so I gathered the shells and I gathered everything together and it we were coming up on the lunar the lunar eclipse the Imbolc lunar eclipse on the full moon and so it was the full moon it was the blood moon it was a blue moon it was Imbolc it was all these important things like all rolled together and I knew I was going to make this epic seashell mandala at during the lunar eclipse and it was really a, something I was offering like to all of you like I was going to create this this mandala that was as a, as a um, experience for the circle and, I, and then I would be able to send the shells away that had been a part of the circle and then I would be able to use some of the shells that had been a part of this powerful eclipse and I'd be able to use those and I'd be able to use these powerful shells for all these things and uh, so I got up early on the night on the morning of the eclipse and I had my bags of shells and I was going to go out down to the beach because I wanted to make sure to put the shells on the sand and and have you know the waves be there and I was like oh my gosh this is going to be this full moon lunar eclipse awesome the most awesome mandala of all mandalas and uh Tanner wanted to come with me Tanner is three and he said he wanted to go I want to go out to the eclipse I'm going to go out to the eclipse and I said it was pretty cool that was okay I took him on the porch so he could see it and um and we were, Mark was looking at it and, and, uh, 
And then I said I want to go down the sand by myself to do the mandala. And I thought he was going to be too cold down there. And he insisted, no, no, he wanted to come with me. And so I was trying to be flexible and like, oh, yes, I, I want to share the magic with my children. I don't want to just run away and not share that with them. And so I he went down onto the beach with me and I was carrying my bags of shells and, and I was feeling kind of a uh, time pressure of the, you know, the eclipse is, is um, starting to be, it was starting to be complete and I, and I really wanted to have the mandalas set up at the moment of the, of the moment of totality and, and also the moon was setting so it was getting lower and lower and, and you couldn't always see it from each place. And so I got out to the sand and, and immediately as soon as we got down there, Tanner started to say he was cold and he wanted to go back inside and he, he got little, he wasn't crying exactly, but he was kind of um, fussing a little bit about whining kind of about wanting to go in and I was feeling all agitated and blocked and like, this is not what I wanted to have happen. This is not the feeling, you know, this is not the spirit that I wanted to carry forward at to in these shells I don't want to carry this agitation and this this um kind of feeling frustrated and blocked and you know and I had some little tapes replay about how everybody always wrecks everything I want to do and you know unhelpful things like that and so then I thought but what is the value you know what is the value of creating something like this if the side effect is that my little child is down here cold and crying you know that's not the kind of magic that I want to create either so then I thought, well, I can just have these bags of shells. They're still got. They're still getting the, the lunar eclipse energy. They're still getting the full moon energy. Maybe I'm not meant to set them up in this way. So I carried the shells back up, and I took him back inside so he could be warm. And, and what I was thinking in my head was, it's wrecked now. This has all been wrecked. I can't do my special thing. It's all wrecked. And I sat on the deck and was feeling that that kind of agitation and the sensation that it wrecked and also the sensation that I was running out of time and then I suddenly had this moment where I thought this is exactly what an eclipse is supposed to be about is letting go of the old patterns and these old things that are not helping you so I what I'm I am experiencing right here in this moment I'm experiencing an opportunity to lay aside or set aside these tired mental processes these tired patterns of thought that aren't helping me at all and so and what are they that sensation that other people are getting in my way you know that my that my kids are getting in my way the other pattern or the other thought processes the running out of time I don't have enough time to do something that's been kind of dogged my heels for numerous years is the sensation that I'm running out of time. And I thought, I can lay that aside right now. I can lay that aside right now and I can create what I want to create right now. And who, maybe, it, basically, who cares? <laughs> I'm not running out of time. I have all the time I need. And so I sat there on the deck and I laid out the shells and um, I was singing a little song and everybody was happy, you know, that the kids were inside and they'd come out and look at things, but, but nobody was sad. And, and I felt this release of having let go of things that are never helpful, mental thought patterns that, are, that have never helped me, that just make me feel agitated and, and uh, strained and behind or whatever. And I was thinking about how even though the moon has set now, there's still this power and it's still going to be the full moon, so that'll still be here. And, and I was laying out the mandala and, and then I looked over and I, I had my little magic goddess with me with the sparkles in her. And she was, I'd set her on the deck 
and I'd been laying out my design with the shells and I looked over and what I saw was the sun coming up and the ray the sun the ray from the sun had come through the deck and was striking the goddess right through her hands and I suddenly knew that in my attachment to having this lunar eclipse mandala and this lunar eclipse ritual that sometimes it's when the shadow that has passed (laughs) that the light emerges and the magic is there and so that if I had been remained attached to the fact that my mandala had to be created during the lunar eclipse I would have completely missed this sunrise moment of magic of the dawning light reaching down to kiss the work and so in waiting in being present with and waiting for the shadow to pass then the light was born so it was all this like whoa magical there's all these lessons happening all rolled into one and the and then the light came up and the sun continued to rise and then I noticed that on my mandala itself the shadows from the way the deck uh, the rails on the deck were set up or our, uh, that a shadow was passing almost exactly through the midpoint of the mandala so that the mandala was then half in shadow and half in light. And that was this moment of perfection and balance and just, and wow, as well as the realization that the whole, yes, it was February at the time, but I had was creating this mandala intentionally for the spring equinox. I was creating it for our spring kits. I was creating it for our spring ritual. That's what I was working with. And so the equinox is that point, that midpoint of light and shadow that that those one of two moments when the earth is in perfect balance in uh, in the year and there's only two two points like that where you can real uh, where nature in and the uh, in the length of the days can actually be said to be balanced and uh, so watching the shadow cross the mandala and then reach this center point of balance was like witnessing a miracle really for me in that moment and it was so powerful and then it also made this circular circular link to our fall equinox um, kit and the mandala that I made for it was on the deck at home and I waited and waited and waited just really patiently I created the mandala and then I waited until the shadow reached the midpoint and I could have easily scooted the mandala and forced it to be in the shadow half and half I could have done a lot of things but rather than do that I just laid on the ground next to it and waited until the shadow naturally hit the center point and then I took my picture of it and so then that made this cool connection too between the fall and the spring and I was like whoa and it was this full complement of all these things just rolled into one experience and I, I feel like I'm not quite explaining exactly why it meant so much to me but it was like it was really felt like a culmination point of these all these things and all these lessons and all these um symbols and concepts all rolling into this one keen moment of direct experiencing and and I was right there and I was 
aware and I was alert and I was watching it all as it unfolded with this delight at how magical the world is and how humbling to bear witness to it as it unfolds right there in front of you. So that's my little story about watching shadows and shells together. And I wanted to share that with you so that you knew where those shells were coming from and and to also encourage you to be alert for the magical moments that are not what you planned. Because that was the other lesson for me is that if I had done exactly what I planned, none of those other things would have happened or I wouldn't have noticed them or been aware or present for them. And so then that brings me to another little quote that is from Peggy Tabor Millen in her book, Women Writing and Soul Making. And she writes about Lenten Tempo, which I've shared before, but I'll share it now. Through focused attention, we engage watchful listening to our inner voice and to our experience. What we achieve is not a perfect product, but a spinning spiral of synthesis. The movement of this spiral cannot be driven, hurried, or organized. Linton tempo is the natural rhythm of creation, of body, earth, and universe. As such, Linton tempo is the rhythm of creativity we hear by practicing awareness. And so, I invite you now to gift yourself with three breaths to close our circle today and to gift yourself with three breaths and the gift of just being with what is right now. So nice deep breath. So may you dance with your power. May you make room to understand yourself. May you be alert and aware. And may you figure it in. Thank you so much for being here. like access to even more audios, resources, prayer books, practices, ritual kits, poems, and more, please join us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash Bridget's Grove. There are several tiers of membership to choose from.